Our scripture today comes from the book of Mark, known as the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and there are quite a few words, but read along with me. But in those days after that time of distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will lose its brightness, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the promised one coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then the angels will be sent to gather the chosen from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Take the fig tree as a parable. As soon as its twigs grow supple and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that the promised one is near, right at the door. The truth is, before this generation has passed away, all these things will have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But as for that day or hour, nobody knows it. Neither the angels of heaven nor the only begotten. No one but Abba God. Be constantly on the watch. Stay awake. You do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like people traveling abroad. They leave their home and put their workers in charge, each with a certain task. And those who watch at the front gate are ordered to stay on the alert. So stay alert. You do not know when the owner of the house is coming, whether at dusk, at midnight, when the, clock, when the cock crows, or at early dawn. Do not let the owner come suddenly and catch you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all, stay alert. So between you and me, those scriptures used to scare me senseless. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I talk a lot uh, about my experiences growing up in a fundamentalist church. But I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm speaking disparagingly or in a disrespectful way. Even though I'm pretty far from believing much of what I learned back then, I still have great respect and love for the people of my church upbringing. They were very, very genuine in their faith. Our preachers and teachers were content focusing almost solely on what we called holiness and how to avoid sin, separating ourselves from the world so we could one day get to heaven. They didn't feel compelled to dig deep into first century Middle Eastern culture, history, or politics, and how those things informed and drove much of Jesus' message and ministry. I think it would have been helpful for them, and for me, <laughs> to better know the context of the times in which He lived and ministered. I believe they would have at least viewed Jesus as much as a liberator for an oppressed people as someone who challenged political and religious abuses and got angry and even wept over them. I believe that if they did, they would have understood Him more completely as more than just a saver of souls, as more than someone who just prepared us for an afterlife. 
We certainly believed in Jesus, the healer in the church that I grew up in. We spent a whole lot of time praying for sick people. And we didn't stop praying till we felt like we had prayed through. <laughs> Some of you know what praying through means. You just pray until you feel like you got there. But we believed it. We prayed a lot for sick people. But I never heard much about Jesus as a liberator. When we did talk about it, it was in the context of, of uh, God breaking Paul and Silas's chains and springing them from prison so they could get back to preaching. It was always more about the miracle than about Jesus actually freeing people from heavy-handed oppressors. I knew Jesus as someone who'd be there for me when this life was over, but only if I lived it well enough. I needed then, and I need now, a Jesus who's there for me in my moments of distress and worry. A Jesus who offers hope, not just for whatever happens after this life, but for what I'm dealing with now. Like I said just a minute ago, I struggle to find hope in the passages that we read this morning. But I think it's because I was taught to read them not as a promise, but as a warning. Jesus talks about the sun being darkened and the moon losing its shine and stars falling from the sky and heaven and earth passing away. And it sounds like the end of everything as we know it. It doesn't sound like something good, does it? It sounds pretty scary. And honestly, when you're expecting something scary, you don't look forward to it with bright eyes and hope. You look forward to it with halted breath and dread. But Jesus is about hope. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent is about a promise. It's about the promise of finally discovering a God who's on our side. And as Christian believers, we discover that God through the birth and the life of Christ, the Anointed One. But like all the other lives that have been born into our world, we have to wait for Him to arrive. Advent is about a promise, but it's also about waiting. That was the message that Jesus was trying to convey in this passage, in the lesson to His followers. More than a warning of doom to come, He was giving them a promise of the hope that's coming. I wish that I had read these words as a promise of hope when I was younger instead of a threat of destruction. I would have slept much better as a child. But after that time of distress, when the sun goes dark, when the moon is no longer bright, and when the stars fall, it seems like there's so much darkness to come, so much devastation to anticipate. But when those things happen, then the promised one appears. The promised one who will stand up for them and make them his cause and will eventually give his life for them. We wait through the distress, we wait through the worry, we wait, we wait, and we wait. But then the one who brings hope, the one who is our hope, arrives. 
But what do we do while we're waiting? When I was a kid growing up, we always put up our Christmas tree about two weeks before Christmas. Every year around Thanksgiving, my brothers and I, there were four of us all together, every year around Thanksgiving, my brothers and I would start begging mom and dad to let us go ahead and put up the Christmas tree. And every year, dad would tell us about how when he was a kid, uh, his dad would take him and his siblings out into the woods on Christmas Eve, and they'd cut down a tree and drag it back home. And I remember looking at my dad thinking, what's the point? <laughs> I guess the point was that we shouldn't whine about having a Christmas tree for two weeks when he only got one for a day. Nowadays, if you wait till Thanksgiving to put your tree up, you're behind schedule, <laughs> you know? I saw a Christmas tree back in October when I took the grandkids trick-or-treating, uh, you know? And I say, if putting up a Christmas tree makes you smile, put it up and enjoy it any time you want to. It's nobody's business but yours, and don't let anybody tell you you can't. But when we finally did put up that tree about two weeks before Christmas, I would come home from school, and I would sit on the couch, and I would stare at it hours I would just sit there and stare at that tree. I never saw my parents put a gift under that tree, but for two weeks it seemed like a new wrapped present would show up under that tree almost every day. Not all of them had my name on them, of course, but it was still exciting to watch the gifts grow under that tree. I'm, I'm not good at waiting, but there was something about the promise of Christmas at the end of those two weeks that made the waiting okay. Fun even. Looking back on it now, I think I kind of enjoyed the wait and the anticipation because I knew what happened when the wait was over. I didn't know anything about Advent back then. It wasn't something that our church tradition observed. I knew about what Christmas was, though, and as far as I knew, it was about one day on December the 25th and not a whole month of Sundays that anticipated and waited for it to happen. When you're a little kid, you don't think a lot about Jesus' mom carrying him around inside her body for nine months. You just know that she had a kid on Christmas. You don't think about the Magi's long journey traveling for days. You just see them there presenting gifts. But those things, the birth and the gifts, they didn't just suddenly happen. The days and the weeks and the months no doubt felt long and tedious. The journey and the wait must have felt never-ending sometimes. But that's what Advent is, isn't it? It's about waiting. Advent is waiting, but it's more than just waiting. It's about hoping. As we've read in today's scripture, it's about anticipating and keeping watch and staying alert. It's about expecting and believing that God's promise of hope and joy and peace and love is not just a promise. It's a reality that will come to pass with the birth of the child. A lyric from one of my favorite Christmas hymns says, A thrill of hope, 
The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. What hope, what wonderful hope that gives. The song goes on, truly he taught us to love one another. His law is love, his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. His name, all oppression, shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise. We let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. Oh, night divine, oh, night, when Christ was born. Oh, night, oh, Christ is the Lord, oh, praise his name forever, oh, night divine, oh, night, when hope was born. How wonderful. Oh, night. Oh, holy night. Oh, night Some people aren't aware that Advent is the beginning of the Christian year. But unlike the trumpets of Easter or the angelic choirs of Christmas Eve or the fires of Pentecost, Advent begins in the shadows of despair, of war, of sorrow and hate. Sometimes I feel like we're in similar times today. But what a wonderful place for God's grace to shine. What a wonderful place to light a candle. <laughs> what a wonderful place for God to show up and be with us. What a wonderful place for Emmanuel. What a wonderful place. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.